You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. The bridegroom would go to the father's house, build this bridal chamber, and then the father would declare the day and the hour that the bridegroom would go and abduct and snatch away, catch away, dare I say, rapture his bride as a thief in the night. And he would take her to this bridal chamber to consummate and celebrate their marriage together for, listen, a period of seven. The Bible presents beautiful parallels between love stories and Jesus' relationship with his bride, the church. The prophecies of Jesus' return describe exactly the Jewish tradition regarding the groom's preparation for his marriage. Today, Pastor J.D. will teach about the return of Jesus when he comes to take us, his bride. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 45 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Psalm 45. This again is to the chief musician. It's set to contemplation again of the sons of Korah. But this time we're told that it's a love song. Aww. (laughs) A song of love. And oh my goodness, how magnificent is this. Verse 1. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition Concerning the king, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer, verse 2, than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one. Notice the capitalizations depending on the translation that you have. With your glory and your majesty. And verse 4, in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. All your garments are scented with myrrh, aloes, and cassia, out of the ivory palaces by which they have made you glad. Kings, verse 9, daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. Listen, O daughter, consider and Incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. In other words, when you come to the king, 
In this application, the king of kings, forget the former life. It matters not. So the king, capitalized, notice, will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Oh, worship him. And the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful bride. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. Notice the virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you with gladness and rejoicing. They shall be brought, they shall enter the king's palace. Instead of your fathers shall be your sons, whom you shall make princes in all the earth. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore the people shall praise you forever and ever. So what's this psalm about? It may be better asked, who wrote this psalm and who they wrote this psalm about. That's not proper English or sentence structure, but you get the point. Some suggest that it was written by Solomon concerning a queen that he took as his bride, and that certainly can be the case. I don't think that we really know for whom this love song was written or whom it was written by, but here's what we do know. It points ever so beautifully and prophetically to Jesus Christ as our bridegroom and us as the bride. Now, when we get to the book of the Song of Solomon, also known as the Song of Songs, which, so we're in Psalms, then uh, Proverbs, can't wait for Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, then Song of Solomon. But suffice it to say, we're going to see in a very dramatic and poetic way this type, this, this picture, prophetically, that speaks to this magnificent love that our King of Kings has for us as His Bride. There's really references to this in the book of Revelation as it relates to us as the bride of Christ. Certainly we see it throughout scripture and other places as well. But in Revelation 21 verses 9 and 10 it says that then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. You know who that is? <laughs> That's us. The body of Christ, the church of Christ, the bride of Christ. Interesting, and if, uh, let me just kind of parenthetically add, actually let me read 2217 uh, in Revelation. It says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life 
free. Now, why do I refer to these uh, two verses here in the book of Revelation? Because, and stay with me on this, you have to understand that the bride in Scripture, and certainly with respect to Jewish culture and tradition, the bride did not know the day or the hour that the bridegroom would come and take her away, catch her away, and take her to his father's house where he had gone to prepare a bridal chamber, a place for her, so that he would come back for her, so that where he is, there she may be also. By the way, when Jesus said that, he was speaking as a bridegroom to his bride, who he had been betrothed to engaged to, and would come back for. And here's what they would do. The bridegroom would go to the father's house, build this bridal chamber, and then the father would declare the day and the hour that the bridegroom would go and abduct and snatch away, catch away, dare I say, rapture his bride as a thief in the night. And he would take her to this bridal chamber to consummate and celebrate their marriage together for, listen, a period of seven. The number of completion, seven days. And she would be safely ensconced there in the bridal chamber for seven days. Then after the seven days, she would emerge And they would have this huge feast, a.k.a. the wedding feast of the Lamb, after seven. You know where I'm going with this, so I might as well just say it. It can't be anything but seven. It has to be seven. It can't be three and a half, half, I meant to say three and a half or pre-wrath. It cannot be anything but a period of seven or you ruin the typology. And you want to know how serious it is to ruin the typology? Ask Moses about that. Not that you will, but if you could, you can ask him about when he struck the rock the second time. He was not commanded to strike the rock so the Israelites would have water a second time. He was only commanded to strike the rock the first time and then water would come out. The second time he was commanded not to strike the rock but only to speak to the rock. That rock is Christ. And when he struck that rock out of anger, he ruined, he destroyed the typology because the Savior, the rock, the Christ would not be struck twice. You want to know how serious it was? Cost him the promised land because he ruined the type. I'm not going to go any further than that with that. I'd like to, (laughs) and I certainly could. But I think God takes it seriously when we start disturbing the typology concerning the Christ. This is a period of seven. 
The rapture of the church, listen, and I'll say it as succinctly and firmly and as lovingly as I can. The rapture of the church of Jesus Christ must absolutely, has to absolutely happen before the seven-year tribulation, period. Period. If it doesn't, I'm not upset. (laughs) I know it looks like I am. But if it doesn't, then God forbid, you better start ripping pages out of your holy Bible. Because you cannot have those pages of scripture in your Bible that speak to and paint this beautiful picture of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, the bride of Jesus Christ. Okay, I feel better now. We can move on to Psalm 46. A great psalm, by the way. A favorite of many, by the way. It's also to the chief musician. And a psalm of the sons of Korah again. And this time we're told that it's a song for Alameth. We don't know who Alameth is. I read a lot of commentators. Nobody knows who this guy is. So, but we know that it's a song for Alameth. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Wow. I mean, right again, right out of the chute. <laughs> what a psalm. You know, when I come to psalms like Psalm 46, I, I think to myself, how many of God's people over the generations, what, some 3,000 years since presumably this psalm was written, has this psalm comforted and encouraged and strengthened? I mean, you go back through human history, all the perils, all the wars, all the saints, the people of God who were facing such horrible and difficult circumstances. And then they turn to this psalm. This psalm that we here tonight are reading and studying and learning about. And they read verse 1 about God being our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Well, that's good because I'm in trouble and I need help. And he is my refuge and he is my strength. And verse 2, therefore... In other words, because of that, in light of that, it's been said that when you see a therefore, you want to know why it's therefore. Well, it's therefore because we will not fear. Why will we not fear? Because he's our ever-present help in times of trouble. He's our refuge and our, our strength. Yeah, but the circumstances I'm in, the situation that I face is extremely terrifying. I am very fearful, full of fear. No, don't fear. Do not be afraid. Yeah, but I don't know. No, God is your help. God is your strength. God is your refuge. You don't have to be afraid. Now, look at the imagery here. As the psalm goes on to describe that we don't have to be afraid even, key word, though the earth be removed. That would be a little terrifying. Wouldn't you agree? 
And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Could you imagine? I mean, I, the coal house, right? You're, you're driving to church on a Thursday night for the Bible study and you're, you're driving and, and all of a sudden the coal house are just plucked up and carried out and they're cast into Kaneohe Bay. Let's be honest. I would be a little, a, a little afraid <laughs> uh, at that point. No. Even though that were to happen, don't be afraid. Okay. <laughs> Why again? Oh, let's go back to verse 1, if you don't mind. God is my refuge. God is my strength. The coal louse can do whatever they want. Pick them up, throw them into the ocean. I will not be afraid because he's a very present help in trouble. He's my refuge. He's my strength. I will not fear. It gets worse. Though its waters, verse 3, roar and be troubled. Have you, I'll never forget when I was a little kid and my parents took me to uh, this river and the falls, and I couldn't have been probably more than seven or eight, if that. And the sound, just the sound of those waters roaring, was terrifying. And that's kind of the the picture the psalmist is is painting here. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. I'll take a break right about here with a, I could use a Selah. I need to stop and just kind of wrap my mind around this. Verse four. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Kind of settles it right there, doesn't it? God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. It's kind of like God just comes rushing onto the scene and says, yeah, I, I know the waters are roaring and the mountains are, you know, being cast into the sea and it's terrifying. Let me just settle this and settle down and calm down and no need to fear. God is now here. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, verse 8, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. I can't wait for that. I'm thinking, uh, I'm pretty sure it's in Revelation. It might be, well, it basically says that, I think it's in the kingdom age, they will study war no more. Can you imagine that? He's going to bring an end to wars. They will cease to the end of the earth. 
He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. And verse 10, a favorite of many. Be still. Just those two words. Be still. Calm down. Be still. And know. And I think the emphasis here, and, and bear with me here, okay. The emphasis, you know how you can change the complexion of something that you're saying by virtue of the emphasis that you place on a word? Well, let me try to illustrate it with verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Okay. I'm of the belief that the emphasis is on I. Now watch this. Be still and know that I am God. Oh. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I think the emphasis is on the I. How and why can I be still? Because God declares, I am God. I have the final say. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, I think about in the Old Testament, how many times God would declare to the Israelites, I am the Lord your God. Again, the emphasis on the I. Why? Because. It's as if God is saying, I am the Lord your God. They're not. I think of Aaron when Moses doesn't come back from the mountain. And the Israelites are pressuring him, I I believe threatening him. Hey, he's not coming back. This God that delivered us from the Egyptians, apparently we're in the market now for a new God. So Aaron, what are you going to do? We need a new God. So he makes him a God this golden calf God. And they start worshiping that God. And I mean, as God is my witness, if it weren't in the scriptures, I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. When Aaron is standing there, he has just created this golden calf God, which by the way, came from Egypt. They had many gods. They worshiped this golden calf god. And so he made them this Egyptian golden calf god, this false god. And he has the audacity to stand there after he's created this god for them to worship. And by the way, they would worship this god in gross sexual ways. That's what Moses was met with when he came down from the mountain. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. 
If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We do treasure our connection with our listeners. We'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.